Hey, welcome back to Female Founder World, where the place to meet your business besties online and IRL. I'm Jasmine. I'm the host of the show. I'm also the person behind the weekly newsletter that we put out every single week, all of the workshops and events that we host, and of course, our private community. If you're not in there, you can join via the link in the show notes. This is a great place to network, to build your entrepreneurial community, and also to attend free workshops and learn from other founders in the regular AMAs that we host in there. Today, I've got another Aussie on the show. Her name's Lizzie, and she's the founder of Sunday Body, which is best known for their foaming body wash. It's basically like whipped cream. It's very cute, very cool, very pretty. And the thing that makes her really interesting and her business really interesting is that she launched into 1,200 stores before her website was even live. So she worked with the distributor to make that happen and really focused on branding. And so we get into what that distributor partnership actually looks like because I was like, okay, cool. So it just sounds like, hey, you get a distributor and then you can land in some of the biggest retail stores in the world, but it doesn't work quite that easily. And she kind of breaks down what that partnership looks like and what it costs. And we also talk about branding and how important it is because today the news also came out that Liquid Death, which is literally canned water in a can that looks like beer, just raised $70 million at a $700 million valuation. And if that doesn't prove that branding is, if not everything, almost everything, I don't know what does. So we talk about all of that in this episode. We get into the nuts and bolts about scaling a business as quickly she did because she's only been around for two years and she's already in some of the biggest stores in the world and beauty is a competitive category so we kind of find out what her secret sauce is that's really making her business pop and stand out all right let's get into the show you are now entering female founder world with your host jasmine grindsworthy lizzie welcome to female founder world thank you so much for having me for those folks who don't know what you're building over at Sunday Body, tell us about your business. What are you creating? We are a body care brand. We offer, I guess, what you call a joyful twist on everyday body care essentials. So for those who haven't seen our products, we currently have a range of whip shower foams, which effectively is a body wash, but we are so much more than that. You know, we, we built this brand based on the belief that and we all could be getting a lot more out of our everyday routine and inherently mundane moments like, you know, having a shower, I guess, are the perfect time to feel a bit of joy and have some fun. I guess we do this through innovative formulas and textures, fun packaging, and yeah, overarching mission is to whip the joy into your everyday routine. Fun. And honestly, looking at the packaging, it is so joyful, so fun. When I think about, you know, modern brands that are created very much for this like TikTok and Instagram age, what you guys have created is a beautiful product, but it's also just such a lesson in building for these platforms. And it's so shareable. The actual, you know, the the formula comes out like a whipped cream or like a foam. So it's something that's just got that little bit, like it catches your eye in a video, it catches your eye in a photo. Where did the idea come from for this just sort of back to what I was mentioning before we we kind of had an idea that you know there was so much happening in the skincare space and the hair care space but there wasn't a lot happening in the body care space and in particular body wash so body wash hadn't seen a lot of innovation which is effectively I guess what made us want to jump in it was an exciting challenge for us to tackle I guess it started with you know, an idea of, of reinvigorating body wash and it's kind of built out to, I guess, a wider a, a body care brand. 
And you were working in advertising for quite a few years before you started yeah. this. Was your, and, and you've got a co-founder as well, is that yes, right? That's right. Yeah. And so was your co-founder coming to this from having some business experience or were you both kind of coming in from corporate land into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So good question. So I came from advertising. I've been in marketing my whole career and my business partner is actually in hospitality. So completely different, but I guess where we sort of align is that we have, I guess, the consumer you know, experience at the forefront of both brands. So for us, when we, I guess, identified the need to, you know, reinvigorate body wash and and make it a little bit more enjoyable, you know, if you have to do it every day, you should enjoy it. So this is the stat that I I just can't get my head around. When you launched and when you turned the website on, you guys launched into 1200 stores. And so that was working with some of Australia's biggest retailers. But even if people are listening and you're like, "Mm, I'm not building a brand in Australia, what's this got to do with me? I think that it's a dream for so many brands to launch with a partner and with inbuilt distribution like that, particularly as customer acquisition costs are just going through the roof at the moment, unless you're able to go viral on TikTok in a couple of posts. Talk me through how you managed to land those huge stockers before you even had any real traction. So we started conversations with Woolworths and Priceline right in the height of COVID. So which are for the US for the US listeners, Woolies is like there's two big supermarket chains like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatever in Australia. That's one of them. And Priceline is like an upmarket CVS kind of thing. It's massive. It's all over the country or like a boots in the UK. Exactly. We didn't even have a website to, I guess, pitch Wild. to them with, yeah, which was an interesting one. So I guess my background in marketing really helped us put forward a good case of our brand and we launched or pitched to them right in the height of COVID where there wasn't any stores open except for supermarkets and and pharmacies and people really sort of turning to beauty products at that time to, I guess, feel good and and have a bit of a self-care moment. So our brand was perfectly positioned to address that. So I would say timing obviously was a really big factor that we had on our side, but also opportunity. There wasn't a lot happening in the body wash space. And I think for the buyers of of Priceline and Woolworths, that was really appealing to them for us to sort of bring a bit of innovation to the category. Very cool. And I'm guessing that when you're working with a, when you're working with a distributor like you guys did, it's not like you can just, or any old person can just like go and find a distributor and say, hey, introduce me to your biggest your biggest partners what were you needing to show and to prove to that distributor to make them take a gamble on you or or want to partner with you and put you forward to these big retailers you know it's funny when we we're about a year or a year and a half now into launching the brand and we had a really frank conversation with our distributor last week where they go you know when you guys approached us we thought it's either going to go really well or it's going to go really badly And so there was no in-between, which I thought was, I didn't know that. I thought you guys are really behind us from the start, which I think it just shows you need to take a bit of a gamble, especially when you're doing something really new or something that the market hasn't seen before. But I think in terms of how we get the distributor on board, we were always really, really clear on our purpose and what our brand was trying to achieve. So our why was really strong, why we exist, why we develop you know, our products and sort of what that new product plan looks like. So I think being really clear on our why and our purpose really helped to, I guess, 
get the distributor on board in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Are you sending them a like a deck that has your pricing and your branding and all that kind of stuff in there? And at this point, do you have, you know, physical samples that you're sharing with the distributor? Like what are the actual materials that you're sending across in that pitch? Yeah, so we had a pitch deck, which I would recommend, you know, any brand develop before they develop their products because it takes you through, I guess, the opportunity your purpose, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And it makes you sort of go through, I guess, a bit of a a story in terms of how you came to be or how or why you're developing the brand that you're developing. So it's a good exercise for yourself, but also it means that when you go into meetings with distributors or retailers, you have, I guess, a really solid plan of of, you know, what your brand is, what you stand for, what your products are and sort of what the future entails. So we sort of went into the meeting with our pitch deck and unbranded samples. So our MOQs or minimum orders was 10,000. At that point, we had not done a production run. So it was literally just a white can um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, very, very plain samples. (laughs) And so I'm guessing in that pitch deck, you had some like renders or mock-ups or something about what this is all going to look like when it comes to life. And you're just hoping this distributor gets the vision that you have. Exactly. And I think it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we had, you know, I think designers do a great job in in mock-ups and they can basically achieve anything. It looks like the real product. So we essentially just had mock-ups that sort of showed how we plan to execute the product. And what does that partnership look like with a distributor? Are you paying them a partnership fee? Do they take a percentage from the order when it comes through? What's kind of industry standard? Yeah. So we'll work back from the RRP or the recommended retail price. So you have your RRP from there, retailers take a margin of that. And it's generally sits around the 50%, 50 to 55% mark. Um, From there, your distributor then takes a margin off that retailer buy price and that can sort of range anywhere from, you know, 35%, 30% if you're lucky, right up to 50% as well. Cool. And do you find that distributors like work to specific categories? So are there distributors that specialize in beauty or how does that work? Yeah, good question. I'm a newbie in this in this whole in this whole world. <laughs> so was I. So was <laughs> I. <laughs> so yes, they do sort of specialize in, in areas. And I think a really big role of a distributor is to have great relationships with the buyers. So I think it takes time and a lot of effort to sort of hone in and and create a really good relationship with the buyers. So you'll often find distributors will focus on, you know, health and beauty or personal care versus you'll have a completely distributor if you're in food or sort of any any other FMCG products. So our distributor certainly focuses on health, health and beauty. How did you find them? Is this like a Google situation or does someone have a contact? How does it work? Yeah, I think so for us, we had a contact, we had a friend who, who knew them and it was very much an introduction on, oh, can you speak to my friends? They're launching a brand, help them out if you can. And it went really well. So we met with them. They loved our our brand, what we were creating, and they hadn't seen anything like it before. So they, yeah, took us on and and made the intros to the buyers and and we sort of took it from there. How were you funding the business in the early days? Because I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so you're launching, you're going from zero to 10,000 minimum order quantity 
and then 1,200 stores. That is a lot of inventory. Plus, you're building out the website. I know you guys had all of the branding skills, but this is a heavy lift. This is an expensive launch. How did you guys fund this? We're lucky enough to be self-funded. We as Amazing. Yeah, we launched with two retailers from the start, which really helped because it meant that we had orders already coming through that sort of could, could cover our first few production runs. And that really eliminated the risk for us. I think it's, you know, sort of as we start to grow, we are sort of starting to feel the pinch now. But up until now, we've we've been self-funded, which is is great, but also it's scary because it's your own your own money on the line. And I think for us it was a really big investment in terms of our production and you know all the other things that come with launching a brand. One thing that we've really found that has helped is that we were able to negotiate the same payment terms with the retailers as for when we got paid from our distributor. So effectively, you know, on at the end of the month or on sort of payment date, you have money that comes in and money that goes out on the same date. If you can sort of negotiate payment terms with with your manufacturer, that really helps in terms of, you know, managing that cash flow so that there isn't a, a gap between when you're getting paid from your distributor or retailers and and when you need to pay your manufacturer. Really smart. That's such a good way of looking at it. When you think about scaling up the business from zero to, I don't even know what number you're at, let's say a lot, zero to a lot in less than two years, what are some of those tools or processes that you kind of have to put into place? I think a lot of the brands who are listening, maybe they've launched with e-com and they're looking at bringing on a bigger distributor or a retail partner, but there's some like serious infrastructure that you have to have in place before you before you do that. What are some of those things folks need to be thinking about? Keep a really close eye on your profit and loss. I think if we could do this all again, I would have, I guess, that all set up from the start. So what I found really helpful is is what's called a three-way forecast, which looks at your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your cash flow, so that you can really get a good grips on your cash position and overall financial health. And I think it's crazy to look back now, and I can't believe I've gone, you know, 18 or so months without having done one. My advice would to <laughs> not be do that, but certainly I'm in it almost every day now. And um, I think if I could do it all again, I would sort of have that really good grips on my financial position from the start. But I think when you have these sort of orders coming in through, you know, big orders coming in from your distributor, you you do get a little bit complacent and you think you've got, you know, a lot more money in the bank than, than you might have. So I think having, you know, a really good lens on, on that three-way forecast would definitely be the way to go. And if you can invest in a financial controller, don't wing it like we did. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you how do you go about finding a financial controller? Let's say I'm a I'm a small business, things are tight, but I need some of that like senior level expertise in terms of managing cash flow and putting together these kind of tools and and models that you're using. Do you hire someone as a consultant to do that? Are you bringing in someone full time? What does that partnership look like? There are two ways you can go about it. You can you know, get your accountant's help. I'm sure many small businesses have accountant's help. I mean, I know that we do, you know, they're experts in their field. So I would say that that is one option. Another option is just to hire someone part-time freelance, you know, often it's not a full-time job, especially when you're in the early days like we are. So certainly a freelancer can help on the side and just make sure that they're guiding you in, in the right direction and taking you through 
you know, what you need to do to, to stay in a positive cash position. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your e-com store and how you've been building the brand. Obviously, the distribution piece of it has been huge for you and that's so exciting. But I've also seen you guys all over social media. And so I'm really interested in what is driving e-commerce growth for Sunday Body right now? When we launch, I feel like we did everything that, you know, normal brands do when they launch. We had a good mix of earned and owned. We actually didn't focus on paid media till a lot later. We really sort of honed in on the earned and owned components of the marketing mix. And yeah, as I said, I don't think we did anything too special in terms of our channels. You know, we activated on socials, we sent media and influencer mailers, we pitched to online and print publications. I think for us, our special source of what really great gained traction for us, particularly for online was making sure that everything we did was thumb stopping. So whilst we sort of didn't do anything out of the box in terms of marketing tactics, we made sure that our content, I guess, was really going to make people stop and stop in their tracks and, and take notice. So a few examples of that would be our packaging, which was a really big one for us. Obviously, you've seen the vessel or the body wash vessel in itself being in a whipped cream sort of like can and that mm-hmm. is, is is very different and I think that in itself is quite thumb stopping but in terms of the e-com packaging that customers receive their order in that as well is the same mailer that influencers receive because we really sort of wanted to create that unboxing experience not only for media and influencers and content creators but for our customers as well um, so it's designed to look kind of like an ice cream box which is very different to your usual shipper um, and I think for oh, us, that's so fun. Yeah. So I think that's been a really big one for us. And I, again, has in turn helped create a lot of user generated content across our customers. And yeah, it's a bit of a su- surprise and delight moment. You know, I think a lot of people are used to sort of receiving, um, you know, just a brown shipper, which is fine. But for us, it was really important that we, you know, I guess did something that was really going to make people smile when they open it. You know, our whole brand is about igniting joy. So we wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that we did that across every touch point so that when we did grow and, and could afford to do marketing acti- activities that would really scale us, we were able to, I guess, leave an impression. You mentioned media and influencers. When you were launching and now as you're launching new SKUs or new products, let's get specific. How many influencers are you gifting? Are you working with a PR agency to pitch media? How do you manage that side of things? So we have a PR agency and they've been instrumental to our growth. Mm-hmm. We invested in PR right from the beginning. I think for us being a body wash, it's an everyday item. You do need to work a little bit harder to, I guess, you know, appear in press and, and of course, on influencer stories and, and posts. So it was really important that we worked with a PR agency that could help position us in a way that would put us in people's consideration set. So we probably in our launch phase sent out, I think it was about maybe 250 mailers and mailers is something that we pride ourselves on because we really sort of want to create a joyful unboxing moment. So we've sent out everything Mm -hmm. from cupcakes to eskies, tea bottles, you name it, (laughs) we've done it. And I think it's worked really, really well for us because we do it on a gifting basis and we do it regularly. I think having that consistency and that frequency has really helped to drive brand awareness. Very cool. Are you doing ambassador programs, anything like that at the moment as well? We don't do a lot of paid influencer activity. We've been lucky enough that I guess we work 
on a gifting basis with with a lot of content creators. It's fun and people want it. Yeah. <laughs> they want to share it. And we also don't have the budget. <laughs> so Yeah, I get that. You know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's it's certainly something that we'll have to start look at looking at doing, especially mm-hmm. as we expand into other markets. But for the most part, we we just do a lot of gifting collaborations. Cool. You guys are on Shopify, right? Your online store? Yes, that's right. I want to know if there are any apps or tools or anything that you're using either within the Shopify environment or kind of other tools or or programs that you're using to run the business at the moment. We, like I think most e-com brands, have a big abandoned cart problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we have people (laughs) that add us to their cart and maybe they don't qualify for free shipping or they change their mind. So we found the rebuy app really, really helpful in terms of rebuy. Rebuy. Yeah. So yeah, there's a few functions with it, but the main one that has really helped us is, you know, having a, it shows a selection of products in the cart that I guess, you know, you can buy and add to your cart to qualify for free shipping. And I think that is a major barrier to purchases when people have to pay for shipping on top of their order. So if it's just a matter of adding, you know, a cherry on top or, you know, a juicy pear to their order to qualify for free shipping and they get an extra body wash, then we found that that's really helped convert people. Smart. That's a really good tip. And the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. So this could be could be a book. It could be another podcast that you listen to. It could be just a habit that you're doing every day that's helping you as you're up-leveling as a founder and an entrepreneur. So this is an audio book that I listened to recently. It's called The Resilience Project. I found it's really helped, I guess, reframe my appreciation for what I have now rather than what I'm trying mm. to achieve. And I think, you know, as a business owner, you can get really caught up in, you know, the chasing, you know, a revenue amount or chasing, you know, number of retailers you want to be in or number of markets you want to be in. So I think it's more about appreciating you know, what you have now, enjoying the journey and yeah, less about the chase. So the Resilience Project, (laughs) I highly recommend. Brilliant. Great tip. Lizzie, thank you so much for coming on Female Founder World. Where can people find you and Sunday Body? You can find us on our website, sundaybody.com. And in Australia, you can find us in Woolworths and Priceline. In the UK, you can find us in Cult, Beauty, ASOS and Urban Outfitters. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.